0: The truth, hey everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. This is Thomas me with a special episode of Saturday Night Cell Block. Now, for those that caught the live with Tamujin Kinsu, who is a lifer um, up in the Michigan State Prison System, been incarcerated for almost 40 years, and has been pleading his case from the moment he got locked up as innocent. Now, I've had many multiple, multiple hours, probably almost close to 20 hours logged with tomujin Kinsu on my podcast. And most recently, I had Temujin on for a special Saturday night cell block where um, we're just discussing the, the latest events. I did have a guest on by the name of Ms. Jody White. And uh, Ms. Jody White is a community activist up there in Michigan. She's she's ran for multiple positions. She has not been able to get into a position, but this is a woman who's after my own heart. Like I say, just a woman from the community who's fed up with the corruption and is doing everything that she could possibly do to put herself in a position to have a voice. So we, the community up in the Michigan area, need to, to get this woman into place. Uh, with that being said, as always, this is a very lengthy discussion, very heavy packed. So what I've noticed with the, with the previous discussions is that because of the length, a lot of Temujin's messages are being missed. So I'm going to be cutting these down to about 10 to 15 minutes. I believe this first episode is, is 13, 14 minutes. Um, so that the the weight of this man's words can be digested. That's how important what's going on up in Michigan is is for the listener to to understand. So, uh, without further ado, I will be bringing Miss <clears throat> Jody White and uh, Mr. Temujin Kinsu on. Enjoy the show. Well, Hello. <laughs>
1: Hey, Thomas I'm sorry if you were waiting I was uh, going through a bunch of stuff with the administration
0: no it's okay partner I was just wanted to make sure everything was okay
1: yeah they uh this team came in and destroyed my house a couple days ago and uh, uh, worst worst shakedown I've ever had in 36 and a half years and uh, I think you probably know I have more property than any prisoner in the MDOC volume wise um, which they make a big deal about but it's all legit and it's all within the policy parameters so this team that came in were officers that were at a prison that I was at a couple of years ago that I sued, uh, which I have a trial coming up against, the Adrian facility, and they made it personal, and they just destroyed – and I mean destroyed my house. So I have like 10-foot lockers of legal material. I have a personal locker, an enormous personal duffel bag, boxes, you know, musical equipment, word processor, everything, and they just destroyed the room bad enough where they're, they're actually doing an investigation here at the facility. So they're riding. They're riding with me on this one. They're not trying to
2: cover it up. They're actually doing the right
0: thing. Hallelujah! That's great. Great news. So I have a guest with us today. Remember the last time we talked, I had a guest, but it's not the same guest yeah. that I had last time.
1: This is the magical. This is the magical Jody, isn't
0: it? This is the magical Jody. Yes, it is.
2: <laughs> Mister Kinsu, how are are you?
0: And and make okay. sure that you can hear her.
2: Well, can you hear me, Mister Kinsu? Yeah, you're kind of
1: you're kind of distant, but I can hear you and. uh I- Definitely want to say thank you. You've been so amazing and so kind and so helpful to us and to Paula. I just want you to know how much that means to me.
2: Well, I like when you sing to us and I get to put you to video.
1: Yeah, she, yeah, she, told, she told me. She, I know she goes to you for this stuff, and I, I'm just I'm, I'm blown away. You've really, been, you've really been incredible, and I'm super grateful for what you've done.
2: Well, um, those of us that have been wrongfully convicted and um, purely by being harassed because we're speaking out and speaking up, is um, yeah. something that's frustrating both you and I. Because uh, when you know you're innocent, you want people to clear our names.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's really amazing that we're at a point now where you know, we have an attorney general who's, who's trying to stop the release of innocent people mean, she's gone the entire other direction she promised to go as attorney general. She just uh, just blocked a guy from getting a parole recently. So if you saw the article, you know about the individual. And he is a convicted sex offender, but this is a person who's been denied parole since – I believe he was first eligible around 2014. So he did like eight years of flops, what we call flops in Michigan. And um, the parole board obviously decided that he was safe to be released. So you know you have to you have to decide do we accept the parole board's terminations or not because the parole board refused to support my clemency even with the you know enormous worldwide support for my innocence and they use that as an excuse to not let me go and then when the parole board says let this guy go we think he's safe they go oh no no we don't trust your judgment so you know when do you trust their judgment now they let two monsters go that were women killers that were just horrible beasts Mike Dione and uh, Doug Chemolevsky uh raped, tortured, and murdered his own great-grandmother. And, uh, of course, both those guys have less time than me. Mike Down killed a woman named Sherry in at least five different ways, all horrendously brutal. He did so much damage to her that the coroner couldn't determine how she actually died. And um, both of those guys did less time than me. Both of those guys are home based on the parole board saying it's okay to send these guys home. And so, you know, what is it? Do we, do we accept the parole board's determinations or not? Does the attorney general have the right to ignore the finding that a man is innocent and then say, "Well, I'm just not going to help him. I'm going to leave him in prison," and yet go back and fight to keep somebody from being freed that the parole board determined is safe to go home, who's done all of his programming, who's done all of his sexual offender therapy, and so on? That's just how crazy the system has gotten. Well, they, this they is they what I, have, all
0: about
2: I Well, and, and this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that if you um, start the the um, social media frenzy about. Who is guilty and who is not guilty? They are going yeah. to make sure that you and your story um, go. go through. Hey, they're not, not going to take our story. story. That, that's, that's what I've realized. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's just it's amazing. It's really amazing how bad things are. And you know, the media. The, I I wish the media would do more about this. You know, the there's this there's this tendency to never want to call people out in our own party or group. And I understand that, but you know, we, we've fallen into a trap now. We'll let anybody. Do anything, and then not call them out if we think they hold the same views that we do, and then they're not, they're not supporting or, or living up to those views anyway. So you know, she's done nothing for justice in Michigan whatsoever. That should be well, a huge you. red flag for everybody. She's gotten a second term only because the guy that ran against her, Matt DiPerno, you know, was a was a you know, Trumpian um, election denier, which, you know, was a huge issue that Democrats used against him. And he was under investigation for all kinds of misconduct and stealing money from a law firm and abused, physically abusing clients and so on.
2: And she barely beat that guy. I mean, she yeah, literally barely do beat know, the guy. false no no narratives though, just because they say it yeah. doesn't mean it's true. And this is what I'm getting tired of is because Dana Nessel doesn't really care about evidence. She loves hearsay, and she just loves when people spew stuff, and then it's really hard to rail in uh, false narrative.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, I, and I'm not saying that DiPerno's guilty of anything. or, or I'm just saying that the, the media beat the crap out of him you know, she beat the crap out of him. She and she barely beat the guy because she's become so despised, and it's gotten so bad now that, according to my wife, you go on Twitter or or anything online in Michigan, and and it's just a million people on there excoriating this this horrible attorney general. I now have uh, you know a suit pending against her. She's actually hidden the report that confirms my innocence and calls for my case to be thrown out. And to, to justify what they're doing, they literally had to admit the report calls for my release. They uh. They admitted six or seven times in their response brief, oh, well, yeah, we, we were going to take action on this case, but you know the attorney general decided not to. Well, okay, they so prepared like- this, It says we repaired this massive report in anticipation of litigating on behalf of me to fight for my release, and then it tells you the mechanisms they have available to get me out, but she didn't do any of them. So she was supposed to bring a civil rights suit well, um, or an appellate action or an emergency habeas or something, and she decided not to because a political donor... Came to her and said, "Oh, I don't want him to get out." And then that leaked out. From I mean, people, we found out that, that she to, had done that. So that's, got, that's that's crazy.
2: You got to name names. Who's saying that you don't? They don't want you out because um, we need to have names. That's one thing we do um, on our side. We actually say their names, the ones that are helping justice. So, um, what donor would that be? Because we'd like to verify it and then make sure that we go pay him a visit or her a visit. the name
1: of the donor. We've been trying to get the name of the donor through FOIAs and emails. They're hiding everything. They're hiding all the memorandums and all the emails, so we're in court on that right now. So at this point, we don't have the name of the donor. The only way that we even know that it was a political donor who's supposed to be some kind of a union person was that that kind of leaked out from people that don't like her that said, she's got this union person who doesn't want you released, and she's using that as an excuse. And, um,
2: yeah, that was was a uh,
1: secret (laughs) leak, so we can't really snitch out the person who told us that. But we know it's true because it it filtered all the way to the governor's office, so we do know that the the story itself is true. We just don't have the name of the donor. But then they even do something that monstrous, you know, um, shows you how bad our system really is. She's gone against, she didn't just go against her own team that ruled that I was innocent, she threatened them all. She threatened them with termination, she told them to shut up and not talk about this. And then she threatened them if the report leaked out. And fortunately, we still learned some a, a tiny content of the report, which was the termination uh, reads um, the conviction should be voided and I should be released. And then for the next yeah, year and a half, she refused to have time. Well, this is I mean, this
0: is exactly why I say that on my platform that we should have fifty thousand Americans up in Michigan, Mayor. Up there, you know what I mean. Like, where where's our American citizens at in this here? Yeah, you know. I I don't want to sound
1: selfish, you know, because I I don't want to say, oh, you know, hey, come save me. But people should be furious about this. This is considered the worst and best documented wrongful conviction anywhere right now. And obviously, you know, Iran, North Korea, there's worse places. I'm not, I'm not implying that I'm in that hell. But my point is, as far as the case goes, the documentation, the evidence, and the uh, 20 alibi witnesses, the polygraphs, and everything else. No no one's ever questioned, Nobody, no, no organization to our knowledge has questioned my guilt or innocence except St. Clair County. Even the Attorney General is not denying my innocence. But the fact that she's able to do this, this is literally a criminal conspiracy, and get away with it, tells all the Michigan citizens, you cannot trust this woman to administer justice to anybody. She came in with an agenda. Her only concern is the LGBTQ issue. That's fine. That's her business. Okay. But you don't make that your entire platform. You're an elected official who's sworn to uphold the law and defend the citizens of this state. All of her written promises and her grant proposals, which we have, by the way, will happily produce if you don't have copies of those already, she spends 20 pages explaining how she's going to fight the minute she finds out somebody's innocent, and she's going to move heaven and earth to get them out, and she's going to ensure that there's not one innocent person behind bars. And she's had this CIU for three years, three and a half years. She's taken in millions of dollars, and she's done absolutely nothing. And then when the worst case comes before her and her staff are all wired to do it, and they determine after a year and a half investigation that I'm completely innocent, and they write this enormous report with hundreds of violations of my constitutional rights, court rules, evidence rules, you name it. And they collect all this additional evidence and they, and they put in this giant package. She sits on it and she refuses to act. And uh, she brought in this woman named Carol Stanier who has a horrendous reputation, to this local attorney to write a memorandum, they called it, going, oh, well, you know, I, I don't think he should go home. Okay, this Carol Stannier has no legal authority in Michigan whatsoever. She's not, a, she's not a, uh, an employee of the state. She's a private attorney. Apparently she's a friend of Dana's. And um, I guess that's supposed to be her justification. What Carol couldn't do, though, was attack my evidence. So, that, of course, they're hiding that, too. We just learned about this phony report, and which they call the memorandum. And um, but in their response brief, I have a wonderful lawyer, Barb Penny, that's suing over this right now. And in their response brief, they admitted repeatedly that they wrote this giant report about my case because they were going to act on it. So they don't explain why Dana didn't act. And we know the public lie she told, which was she claimed that uh, you know she couldn't act because I'd raised these issues on appeal. That's a lie. That was not the standard when I entered the CIU. There's no such law, and I have their own criteria, which says the exact opposite. Anything it says anything you have that shows your innocence. It says or police or prosecutorial misconduct that wasn't shown to the judge or the jury in your case is considered evidence sufficient for the CIU to act. Obviously, uh, there's a 2,500-page report that covers all of that, and so you know Valerie Newman did this amazing job with her investigator. And then she continuously said, hey, what are we doing with this case? What are we doing with this case? And they kept spinning her and spinning her. When they got a lot of media pressure in May, they issued this phony statement. Dana did. She she came down and said, I need you to read this phony statement we put together. And it says, oh, well, you know, we we can't act on this case because he raised these issues on appeal. Now, if you raise issues that prove that you're completely innocent of a crime on appeal, what the hell has that got to do with your right to be free? Your argument now, remember, every innocent person who was ever cleared, or let's say 99% of them, lost their appeals before they were freed. That's how the system works. You do 20, 30 years, you lose all your appeals, eventually you prove your innocence and you go home. So her argument now is, I guess you can't go home if you raise anything that proves you're innocent in an appeal. But guess what? I won those appeals. I, I didn't lose those appeals. I won those appeals. I won two habeases. The first habeas, of course, said I was completely innocent of the crime. That was overturned on technical grounds because of the restrictions of the uh, anti-terrorism effective death penalty act. Then I won a second habeas, which says I was framed with fake photographs that Robert Cleland made and hid and the county then lied about for 26 years after that, uh, and I was overturned again on technical grounds. So I have two habeas rulings saying that I was framed and I'm completely innocent. And she said, oh, well, you know, yeah, you raise those issues on appeal. So I won't consider them, even though they prove you're innocent, and even though two courts, federal courts, held that you're innocent and that you were framed. So that's the level of corruption coming out of Dana Dana Nessel's conviction integrity unit.